0: Hello, this is Mr. Knight, VP of Diversity here at St. Edward High School, along with my co-host, David Dow. You are now listening to In My Shoes Podcast.
1: Uh, tonight we got on Aaron and uh, Andre Eames, um, 2008 graduates of St. Edward. Uh, they play basketball and football at St. Ed's. <laughs> um, Andre went on to attend University of Cincinnati. Aaron went to uh, Bowling Green, and then they started um, ANA Management in 2012. Uh, and Aaron worked and managed a sports facility, and um, Andre worked in uh, wealth management and financial services. So, I guess we kind of start with, um, you know, like what is ANA Management? Uh, for, for me personally, from the outside looking in, it's kind of, um, you know, we see some of the different athletes you guys are working with. You know, we just talked about Denzel Ward, Travis Kelsey uh, some other guys. Um, but what exactly like do you do for him and how does, how does the management uh, side of things work?
2: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, at the end of the day, we like to call ourselves a boutique management firm and a boutique talent agency. And, um, you know, ultimately what we look to do, you know, for guys is really figure out who they are, what they care about, and then where they want to be kind of post career and develop the suite of services basically around, you know, marketing branding, which kind of gets to the who guys are and, um, Everything from traditional, what you see as social and digital marketing, traditional PR strategies, um, you know, commercial deals, you know, stuff like that. You know, then the community outreach part, which is developing nonprofits creating their nonprofits to drive a strategy, and you know, wherever market they're in, is kind of like you know what you know the what and like showing them what who they are, what they care about, what they're passionate about outside of the field. And then the other part is kind of the business development, where the business development side, which is what Andre kind of focuses on, which is everything from you know, financial management, licensing and merchandise, you know, entertainment and crossover, you know, opportunities. And that gets to kind of really like, okay, you have your career, great. You have your passion in the community, that's great. But like, how are we taking that platform that you're given, you know, as a professional athlete, and then, you know, extending your, you know, opportunity to earn money, you know, well into the future. And from a business standpoint, you know, that allows us to not only, you know, work with guys, you know, early in their career, but really, keep a client for, you know, in Travis's case, you know, for you know not only 10 years of his career currently, but, you know, 10, 20, 30 years post-career right. and actually generate a lot more meaningful, you know, relationships, interaction, and ultimately, you know, money. So, you know, that's kind of a very quick version of, you know, what we do. But at the end of the day, it's very simple. You know, we'd sit there, figure out who our clients are, what they like, what they want to do, and ultimately develop kind of a strategy around getting them to where they want to be and where we think they should be.
1: And then, and then just in terms of you talked about, like, uh, helping guys kind of build their brand, um, I, I guess, like, what do you see, like, how do you see, like, how that's so important today? You know, like, uh, whether it's through social media, you know, Twitter, Instagram, um, just people kind of like building their brand and, and expressing themselves in those ways. And then obviously can eventually turn it into things that could become monetary. It's so like, what's the, the importance of that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think because of social media, let's be honest, everybody kind of has a personal brand. I mean, with the way we look at brand, you know, it can, you know, very simple, you know, showcasing who you are and what you care about. You know, I think brand kind of is the first step for all of us. It's the foundation and like their house in a sense, because, you know, when someone meets an athlete, when someone meets the person that we're working with, their brand or what their brand is to the public is going to be the first interaction that person gets. And that brand can, you know, be the, the reason they are able to get into business deals or not get into business deals, get commercial deals, not get commercial deals. Um, And ultimately it's just a way to showcase, you know, who they are as people without, you know, in their own way, you know? And so I think, you know, I think it's very important, but then also at the same time, I think, you know, ultimately because of social media, there's a lot of fake brands in in a sense, and people that do a lot of things that, you know, ultimately aren't real um, because it's able to, you're able to kind of give people a lens of what what you want them to see. Yeah. Instead of actually what, you know, the real deal, especially in our business, you know, you see it all the time, you know, and, you know, our number one question when we you know, meet with people, talk with people, or, you know, people wanting to figure out, you know, how they can get into the sports space and all that other stuff is, you know, hey, you know, it's a business first and foremost, so how are you going to make money? Right. And a lot of times in this space, because of the people you're around, the access you get, the things that you can do, you know, it's, it's over glamorized and it's not one of those things that. You know, people, you know, there's a lot of people that just are just doing it for social media. They're not yeah. really
1: doing it from a business standpoint. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Uh, so, like, so how did you how did you guys get into the um, like the management business? Like, how did that kind of start for you? all
2: I mean, it, it's I mean, it started honestly. And you know, we had a good group of friends, you know, all of us played sports mm-hmm. and our family was in business, you know, growing up and franchising. So we always knew we kind of wanted to do something in business, wanted to do something in sports. You know, Del Monroe, who you guys had on a few weeks ago, he was actually, you know, we the reason he went to Ed's and we're like we were obviously really close growing up. So yeah. he was supposed to be a one and done player and he was just like, you know, hey, you want to be my manager? And we're like, well, yeah, whatever, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Right. And then um, you know, so really kind of had that idea of, you know, and I would say we we were lucky in the sense that I kind of always knew what I wanted to do, not exactly A and A, but I knew that I always wanted to get into sports, I always wanted to do business. Yeah. You know, so everything kind of, you know, started at Ed's and started, like, around the lunch table talking to guys about what they wanted to do, whether it was, you know, Deontay and Nate Oliver, you know, you know going to Ohio State and all these schools. So we just had a big network of friends that kind of played sports. And, you know, like, when those guys started to get, you know, in college, you know I was at college working in, you know, sports, they, they needed to start finding agents and all that other stuff. So really starting to help out with that process and yeah. the relationships I built, you know, we kind of really saw that, You know, in our opinion, we had a lot of relationships in the music business and, you know, in the music business, you know, an artist doesn't do anything for free. Like everything that they have to do has to be monetized. Mm -hmm. But the athletes, because they make so much money on the field, everything that they do is basically free. They go to the clubs for free. They, you know, post things for free. They just just give a lot of stuff away that they don't even know they're giving away. So the idea was kind of, you know, taking the franchise and background and the background our family had and say, like, this athlete's a business, you know, so everything that they need to do needs to be you know a business. How do we either make money off of it? How do we make them more money? How do we kind of add, drive strategy around, you know, let's not let any money fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's kind of where it started out. It's very like simple. Like what do these guys need? What are these guys aren't getting, especially back then, you know, everybody, you know, relied on their agent and, you know, oh my agent does this. But you know, you look at the services the agencies provide, it all they all say the same thing, but they don't actually provide it.
1: So that those right.
2: yeah. you know, looking at it like looking at that need and just saying, okay, let's let's actually provide these services because these guys actually need these services. Yeah, so that's kind of like you know, ultimately how it got started.
1: For sure, yeah, that's that's dope that y'all was able to take them uh, like those relationships that y'all developed at St. Ed's and kind of see that through into you know what your management business is now. Um, and and so you talked about you know like you went to um, you were a student manager at Bowling Green and and you kind of always knew you wanted to get into sports so. For people that are like, you know, let's say, you know, for example, St. Edward students that are interested in sports, interested interested in sports, uh, maybe didn't have the talent to go on and play, you know, collegiately, um, but they still want to be involved in in kind of figure out a route to where they can get to the point where they can, again, like have a career within the business side of sports. What's kind of like a route that maybe you guys took um, or a route that you could see people taking or that maybe people within your field have taken to uh, get to that point like where you guys are now?
2: I'll, I'll say my my route, and i let Andre kind of talk about his because it's a little different, but I would say, you know, we were fortunate. I mean, we just – we knew a lot of people. So, like, my senior project at St. Ed's was with Mark Shapiro, the Indians, right? And so, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, first day of class, you know, at Bowling Green and sports management, they're like, oh, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. But we knew a lot of people. Our uncle, our uncle played with the Browns, and, you know, we just had a lot of natural relationships. So, it was one of those things where, you know, we could – just through a network of people, we can kind of get to where we need to get to, you know? So, you know, everyone's not going to be that lucky, but at the same time, you know, I did every job under the sun, you know, I work, you know, you don't get paid to be a student manager, you work for free. I didn't get paid to work for the Browns, I did that for free. You know, I didn't get paid to work with the Indians, did that for free. You know, I think the number one thing that, um, you know, a lot of what what I would just say is you be, if you want to work in sports, like work for free, you know, build relationships, network, um, do anything and everything you're given, essentially, because, you know, a lot of times people get into sports management and they get pigeonholed into like ticket sales or, you know, other stuff like that. But that's most likely because they don't want to do a job for free. Like everyone wants to work in sports. Like It's a very competitive industry. So, you know, if you're not willing to do something different to add your resume, to build relationships, to network, like, you know, there's a, you're a dime a dozen. So it's like it's it's very easy to find someone, you know. So, I mean, just kind of, like I said, it started as a student manager. And the other thing, a lot of guys, they want to go to these big programs and be like, you know, work with the program. But that's never going to happen because, you know, for the most part, it's all about who you know. And if you're not a former player or if your father's not a big booster or a donor, you're never going to work with you. But at a place like Bowling Green, especially we're lucky in Ohio, we got like 10 D1 schools in Ohio. Yeah. And if you go to like an Akron or Bowling Green or any Mack school, like they, their resources are like shot, you know, so you get lucky. So I was lucky that, you know, I went to Bowling Green. And I knew that that's where I wanted to go. But start working with their football program. Dave Lawson, who's not Wake Forest, was there. Sean Spencer, who's at the D-line coach for the, you know, the, the Giants. Mm-hmm. You know, he's there. You know, like that whole staff and if you look like at Urban Meyer, where he started at Bowling Green and his whole staff, like they're all head coaches. Yeah. So like there's a very small staff. You're, they not enough people to do extra busy work. You know, Mike March's son, who's a Super Bowl winning coach, was you know was on the staff of the GA, and he would teach me how to break down film. You know, and then you'd have every single NFL scout come in, every single you know NFL team kind of pro days. And you just network, and yeah. then you know I was handling recruiting and and stuff like that. So you know, it was you got a lot of hands on experience, and like that experience led me to the Browns. And I did the exact same thing with the Browns, like because like, yeah. you know it's a big big organization, but you know, you're doing all the exact same work. And so it's just, you know, it allowed me to kind of really deal with the families, deal with the players, figure out that they weren't getting the services they were going to be able to get. And that's when I started my company. You know, like my, after my first year with the Browns, when I was still in college, because yeah. I saw Joe Hayden, you know, came in with agents that never have been agents before. And, you know, TJ Ward, he came in with a family member who was a psych major. And like, that was his manager. And Joe Hayden's manager was a kid that was an was supposed to be an English teacher. And like they didn't really have like a strategy, a business plan. They didn't have any of it. Yeah. So like they were just kind of flying by the seat of their pants and opportunities were dropped and you know their images were, you know, you know, went all different ways and you know, and so it's one of those things where I was just like, okay, like there there
1: would be a business here. Yeah, for sure. It's dope. What about you, Andre?
3: Yeah, man, I mean to every to Aaron's point, a lot of the things that he's saying, you know, it's really about finding an opportunity and and, and you know, working through that opportunity. I mean, I didn't really work in sports when I was in college. You know, I played basketball in college for a year and transferred to the University of Cincinnati and declared my major as a sports management major. But, you know, I always had a passion for finance and personal finance and managing numbers and and, in the books and whatnot. So when I was in school, I worked as a bank teller and I grew a a pretty successful uh, event management business where, you know, I would throw events and throw parties around the city for college students and Mostly, you know, college. Mostly college students, but I think one of the things going back to what Aaron's saying, building a relationship is important. Because I mean, that gave me time to, you know, you know, build relationships with people on the, the football team, on the basketball team, and, and be close to them in that way. Not necessarily from I'm working as a team manager per se, but I'm connecting them to, to local people in the city, and you know, with the with the idea of building a management company in, in the back of our minds at all times you know, it's an interesting path that we both took, right? Because he's focused on a lot of the things of the business from the, from the sports side. And I'm, I'm focused on mainly on relationship building and business development and financial advisor. So yeah, I just took my, I I could have been like, I'm a bank teller at the bank. Like, I don't want to work here. I could hate this job, but I took it as a learn how to, you know, understand budgets and build financial plans and turn that into getting licensed as a financial advisor, then working at a major firm and learning how to manage private wealth and now, you know, handling business development and investing advising for athletes, you know, not because I'm, you know, I just say I do that, but I actually, you know, laid the bricks and did the work. So, you know, my advice would, you know, to young kids would be like, you know, find If you know, if you kind of have an idea of your end goal, find little things that's going to help you get there and not just assume you're going to get there right off the jump. Uh, You know, just like, just like an athlete. I mean, it's going to, it takes you years to get to that level, to get to the professional level, you know, to so take the same steps in, in, in your yeah. career. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I think from an athlete, uh, athlete perspective, you,
1: like you said, it's kind of like you're taking different skills and things like that that you have and ultimately you put it all together when it comes to building your business or building whatever you exactly want to do. Um, so, Andre, you're a uh, part of the fraternity, as, you know, uh, my man William was talking about uh, before we started. Um, yeah. What was your experience like with some of the um, and, like, yeah. you know some of the benefits you you uh, of being in a brotherhood like that? Because like, we haven't had anybody on It was, you know, part of a fraternity. And I think that's something that a lot of kids going into college, you know, they might consider. So what was that like? Yeah.
3: No, I mean, I was, it, it was it was interesting. I mean, I, I like to say, like, it kind of changed the tra- trajectory of my like life because, you know, going back to what Aaron was talking about. Talking about, you know, we had a we had an awesome basketball team, you know, back when I was in college, man. And I'm like, I'm that type of person. Like, I'm going to the NBA. I'm going to play pros. I don't care what you tell me, how much I played. That didn't matter. So, like, like but then it took me going to college my freshman year, playing at a small school, right, and, like, losing games and with no fans and whatnot to realize, like, okay, maybe I need to figure out, you know, when I want to do it the rest of my life. So, I remember, like, it was just, like, one of the bros, I met him. You know what I mean? And he was kind of like – you know what I mean? I, like, I guess I was like, cool. I had a little bit of swag. I was throwing parties. <laughs> and were, yeah. You know, he was like, he was like, man, you need to just transfer to main campus and, and pledge Alpha. And you know, that fall I pledged, you know, Alpha and became Alpha. But it forced me to go to main campus, declare a major, focus on what I'm gonna do with the rest of my life versus, you know, hold on to that basketball dream that I yeah. had. So he taught me how to build relationships, network with people you know, and basketball was that thing that was bigger than me, you know what I mean, that I wanted to be a part of, where then Alpha became that, you know what I mean, yeah, so sure. my, like, my sayings to this day, we all have daughters, you know what I mean, they all hang out, like, all the same age, right, FaceTiming each other, man, it's crazy, so, mm-hmm. you know, the brotherhood is real, you know, 10, 12 years later, you know, I'm still very close, as you know, Bill on the call right now, we're in the same group, group chat, man, we talk about stuff all day, every day, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it was a It was a great experience. You know, Aaron will tell you he made a couple trips down 71 South or 75 South from BG to come hang out uh, and and whatnot. So, but yeah.
2: Yeah, but I hate group chat. So, like, I would be muted. Like, I'd mute every one of
3: them. He would mute everybody, (laughs) but then be the one that didn't stop talking when we got to the party. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, I got you.
1: All right so so what is it like doing um business with your twin brother you know obviously i have a twin brother so i'm kind of particularly interested in this but uh like what i mean i mean obviously you know they always talk about you know doing business with family and stuff and stuff like that but that's your twin brother so like what's that like uh you know you both you know heading up a company like that
2: you want me to take it first or you want to
3: take it I mean you know you you can go ahead i mean i i'll start i'll start i mean I kind of told you guys a little bit to start the phone call. I mean, working with, working with your twin brother is, is, is interesting, yeah. right? Sometimes annoying, sometimes, uh, you know, super beneficial. You know, I think he'll, Aaron will attest to we argue a lot. You know what I mean? But we're always arguing the same thing, but just in different ways, right? So, like, to the outside looking in, it's like, what are they arguing about? But then we always come to the right conclusions. <laughs> Man. Uh, and, then, and then sometimes he just he's just saying everything that I wanted to say, so there's no point in saying anything. So it's like it. You know, sometimes you you know, it's just you got to be able to learn how to communicate with each other and do it effectively, man. And just you know, knowing to let you know each other say the right things, especially when we're having like recruiting meetings and whatnot. So it's it's interesting, you know what I mean? It has its days. I would I, I would say for sure.
2: Yeah, but I'll, I'll also say that we were at, like we've all like in our in our household we we've always just been like say what's on your mind. And you know, business is business, family's family. So like where some families like they rely on the family too much. But like as Andre, you know, kind of said, like, you know, even though we knew we were gonna work together with ANA, until like we knew exactly what each other's role would be, we didn't work together because like it just wouldn't work out, you know. So, you know, I think he really like he came into A and A, what, two, three years ago? And we're going on ten years now. Like, he was always a part of A and but like until yeah. we knew like exactly what the role would be, because as we grew up, we were always taught like if you don't have a role, like and you get like what like it, what are you doing, right? Yeah. So you know it wouldn't have worked out if we were doing the same thing because we're going to be doing the same thing, you know. Yeah. So it it really worked out that like he kind of handles the financial, the business, I mean, you know, the business management stuff because we have clients that came in that really required it, and it was one of those things where it's like if you're not coming on full time and being on full board, like we're going to have to hire someone to do this. And so that's really when, you know, it really all came together. So, like, you know, being able to be completely honest with each other and not have to rely on, you know, being all politically correct and being all nice and just saying whatever's on our mind and, you know, can cuss each other out. But at the end of the day, we know where it's coming from.
1: Um, So
2: that's why I think it works. I think if it wasn't, if we didn't have that upbringing where, like, we were taught, you know, in our family, business is business. So if you need to fire your brother, you can fire your brother. Or whatever, you know, no harm, no foul. But, you know, it's one of those things where, if it wasn't like that, it'd probably be more difficult because then, you know, it could become if you take business issues and it becomes family issues. When yeah. in our family, it's no matter if it's our mom, our dad, like yeah. our brother, like dealing with each other. Like if, when it comes to business, it's, it's family doesn't matter. It's about the business. Yeah
1: so you kind of like separate the two is what you're saying
2: yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, we've had a lot of heated discussions but at the yeah. end of the day we know where it's like the minute you know the minute we talk we're talking about personal stuff it's like like whatever we're talking about business, yeah
3: exactly yeah. i feel that for, sure. for and, sure and that's that's that stuff is important too man like you know because if you look look at on our parents man it was it's interesting because it's like how you see your parents and yourself but you know our you know our dad was more of the the business guy and things like that. And my mom was more the financial person, right? And it's interesting the traits that I take from her and the traits that he takes from my father and how we're like, okay, like the bottom line is the bottom line. Do we want to grow a business or do we want to be, you know, great family members to each other? You know what I mean? It's like we're going to be family no matter what. But if we fail in the business, that's just going to create a whole bunch of issues, you know, that we don't need. So I think being able to separate the two is definitely extremely important because I was I was adamant at the beginning I mean we're you guys you can tell a little bit like we're different anyway so like yeah it, from the beginning it was like look you know I, like I always thought Aaron was gonna be the one managing me when I got to the NBA you know what I mean like so
4: it's I like everybody was gonna make it to the NBA. hey hey relax, <laughs>
3: relax 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 I needed a couple more inches maybe uh, maybe, a, maybe a foot maybe a foot but you know just, <laughs> just saying like hey I like finances so okay we know we want to build a sports management company Aaron's got the the marketing, working with the teams, he's getting that experience. How can I get some experience that's just going to add value to what we do for years to come is is just knowing and recognizing that was very, very important. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope that y'all can each take your strengths and kind of work together
1: like that. Cause me and Andrew, one thing we always uh like, I mean, we obviously have some ideas and things like that for the future, but um, like you said, I think one thing is like being able to kind of change that switch of like when we're talking business or we're talking about some different ideas that we have and then, you know, talking on a personal level as, you know, twin brothers or whatever. So that's definitely important. Uh how was it like or what was it like um going to separate colleges? You know, like was that was that your first time like really splitting up like that? <laughs>
2: yeah, we knew we were yeah. going to separate college. There was never a doubt we were gonna go to the same college.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah.
3: Gotcha. I think I think I think going to separate colleges saved our relationship to be honest
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: like by the time senior year came we could not stand each other you know what I mean like yeah you know so it's again we're not we're not like the double mint twins or sister sister right so it's like we're yeah. completely completely opposite so you know but like I said you know I was up 75 he was down 75 we saw each other when we needed to see each other and Mm -hmm. it definitely i i thought i I thought it brought us closer for sure because it was yeah we were ready to rip each other's heads off you know yeah (laughs) yeah for sure
1: uh so how have you guys seen um diversity displayed within your company and then within companies that you've worked for previously and companies that you maybe like work with now you know
3: yeah so i'll Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, yeah i'll take that one too i mean working in financial services was interesting because i'm you know I was probably always, you know, the only black guy in the room, you know what I mean? Like literally always. So when I was working for Merrill Lynch, um, there was 300 advisors on my floor and, and I was the only black advisor on the whole entire floor. Wow. So uh, it was a, it was an interesting experience, you know what I mean? And I'm like, you know, I don't, they had, they had a diversity and inclusion initiative, but it wasn't really uh, they partnered me with ah other black advisors, but they were in Atlanta. You know what I mean? So it wasn't somebody I can reach out to and see on a day to day basis. Yeah. Um, so taking those experiences and kind of fast forwarding to where I'm at now with the with the situation is, you know, having more diversity when it comes to the financial management space. You know what I mean? it's it's not we 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 kind of like are adamant about working with diverse groups when it comes to bringing partners to our clients because of that reason and given more diversity and more inclusion uh, in, in the situation. Like some of the financial advisors that we work with, you know, they now who are interesting enough are now at Merrill Lynch and, you know, she's, you know, amazing. She's come, graduated from Columbia. She's half black, half Hawaiian, you know what I mean? Very smart and manages a significant book of business. And I'm like, you know, these are the type of advisors that we kind of want to put in front of the athletes that we work with, given the fact that most athletes are of a diverse nature, you know what I mean, I think seeing people in the financial space that look like them, you know, helps, you know, uh, you know, and we we are capable. So, you know, blacks in venture, I work a lot in the venture space and a lot in the private equity space. And, you know, we're far and few between. So one of the things that we're doing that we have, you know, is an initiative to raise uh, $10 million to, to invest in black owned and minority led companies to help them grow. So given our, you know, the athletes that we work with access to that platform and empowering not only our athletes that we work with, and we haven't talked about this, but we want to work with their orbit, you know, the friends, the cousins that have ideas to grow and build and develop businesses, you know, we want to work with them too, because we know this is somebody that's important to the clients that we work with. So we affect changing the whole entire orbit just to kind of add diversity to the situation instead of just saying, hey, we focus on the client and the client only, because oftentimes our whole thesis is life after the sport. To Aaron's point earlier, and if we don't if we don't worry about the people in our clients' orbit and help them and empower them to do things to become business owners and and things like that, then you know I don't think we're doing our job one hundred percent. So I think that's kind of where I'm seeing diversity and what in what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron Aaron may be a little different in the in the marketing space and him dealing with NFL partners and things like that, um, but I think especially specifically in the financial services industry, I do want to see a lot more diversity and diversity working for. People that are diverse, yeah. like professional athletes. Gotcha.
2: Yeah, I mean, we I see a little more. I mean, obviously, um, but at the same time, you don't you don't see it from the decision maker standpoint at all. Um, so for the most part, you know, we're you know we're fortunate that you know we call our own shots. Like we don't have any investors. Like we don't like we can do whatever we want. And so you don't see that um, in the marketing space at all, and you don't see it usually and yeah, I mean, you don't really see it. I mean, to be honest. So, yeah. I mean, for, for, for us, it's always been like, we've always been taught growing up, play the game. So it's been always natural for us, you know, yeah. you know, just to, to be kind of the only the, the only minority in the room. So, you know, we look at it as like, as a company, you know, we're, we're big on, especially now over the last probably two, three years of hiring people, you know, we're like, A, we, you know, the first group of hires, you know, we've all been like super experienced. And um, you know on our team alone, we have, you know, you know, looking white female, Democrat white female, white male, Chinese, you know, international. Like I mean, we have a very kind of broad group. And now we're looking at now that we have a, a solid kind of core team of you know, people with a lot of experience, we were looking, you know, in the next you know, few years, you know, how do we really get back to the universities that we we're involved with, the schools we were involved with. To really bring together like a comprehensive you know i would say internship programs mm-hmm. to really start kind of for our company specifically not the, the industry teaching people what we want and how we want things because we don't really look at ourselves as a traditional on um, the, the marketing management side we don't yep. look at ourselves as a you know traditional marketing management firm we look at ourselves as a part advertising agency mm-hmm. part as a uh, you know consultant um part as like a talent agency and just like doing those types of deals. So when we look for people that we're working with, they need to have different, you know, traits and characteristics that we're looking for that can kind of like help us get to where we want to get to. Yes. And, you know, for the most part, I would say when it comes to like looking at, you know, other, other companies or other, you know, places, you know, our athletes get us into rooms that we, know like we normally wouldn't be in. And so it's like, you know, really like educating our athletes that we work with and they're the people around them to Andrew's point you know, what we're trying to get out of things and what we're trying to do so that they can ultimately, you know, kind of affect change from within instead of just, you know, looking at it from a standpoint of like, how do we, you know, they're just able to have a lot, they're just able to affect a lot more change like from the within side. So, I mean, I think that's, you know, the way we're trying to see it, you know, because like Andre said, you know, it's, it's very rare for us to kind of be in a room with a lot of people that look like us, but at the same time, you know, we're adamant on working at the grassroots level to kind of give structure to what we're looking for.
4: Yeah.
2: And uh, like, especially with our clients, you know, because as i just said, if you look across the industry, a lot of their agents, you know, are white. A lot of their advisors are white. Um, a lot of the the people that they deal with, you know, are that. So like we've seen, you know, kind of what their families go through, what they go through. And we have, again, like, like, I would, probably say this we're probably the only you know black firm that has white clients you know so yeah. it's not like we just have you know black clients and yeah you know so it's one of those things where we kind of see that like from our standpoint athletes are looked at as like you know, this and like, but we get to know them on a personal level, we understand their insecurities, we understand their vulnerabilities, we understand like what, they, what they're what they trying to tell the world mm-hmm. and like what the world's gonna perceive of them. So whether it's, you know, a client of ours is Jewish and there's a lot of stuff going on in the Jewish community and he wants to kind of communicate like his point of view or yeah. for our communications team to kind of figure out that strategy. You know, whether it's our, a white client of ours who's being thrust into, you know, racial conversation, because of, you know, his stature and what he does in the community, like how to navigate those conversations, right. And having, you know, those real, you know, talks with them because like what they're putting out there, we want to reflect them the best way possible. But at the yeah. same time, we know their true thoughts and beliefs. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, you know, when it comes to like talking points and media and all that stuff, but like they, you can't explain things, you know, so you really got to make sure you know, everything that you're putting out there is like the, the best representation of yourself. So, yeah, you know, I think if you look at all the, what athletes are doing and how they're doing things, if we look at ourselves and especially with all the stuff that was going on, you know, um, in the, earlier this year, you know, we look at ourselves as, you know, first, you know, affecting change, how we can affect change and that's through our clients. And then from there, you know, with the representation of the industry, but then also educating the industry to what we think is, you know, what it should be. Mm-hmm. And the hardest part, honestly, is educating the the prospective clients on and to show them, you know, how things are done, because there's a yeah. lot of times in this industry, like guys don't want to hear the truth. You know, it. you you know, you, you know, yeah. you, where you guys play that, you see it all the time. Like guys want to be bought. Guys want to just be told, sold a bill of goods, mm-hmm. you know? So when you're going in there telling the truth, <laughs> you're, 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 you're probably the outlier, yeah. right? And so that's, that's one of the things that we're adamant about.
1: Yeah. That's huge. I think because even me going through my uh, like recruiting process as far as well, even in the college and then with the agents and things like that, it's like I'm a realist with myself. So I want somebody that's going to be real with me as well. You know, and that's not always you don't always get that, you know, and that's definitely good as you, all you know, uh, take that that um, approach to it. Um, and then another thing you touched on was uh, um, just in it like more. I'm thinking more of an, on the high school level, but kind of like what athletes because, again, being an athlete myself or having been an athlete myself, you um, one thing is, like, what, you're, what the media or what, like, you're perceived as to the fans and things like that is, is oftentimes different from what you who you actually are, you know. So uh, definitely having, you know, somebody like you guys to kind of strategize that and help you kind of, like, relay your message to what you want to put out there is definitely huge. Um, so we're right around that, like, that 35, 30-minute 30 mark. Uh, if anybody has any questions, put them in the comments. Um, and we can kind of, you know, go off of that. But uh, so one question I have for you all, and it's not on the sheet here, but I was just kind of thought of it. Um, so, you know, you guys are working with, you know, elite athletes, like the one percenters, you know, what I'm saying um, and, and for anybody that's a high school athlete on here now kind of talk to us about um, like their approach to the game and just into life, because, again, to operate on such a high level like that, uh, you know, you can't be doing everything that everybody else is out there actually doing. So just from what you guys have seen, um, you know, like I said, we mentioned, you know, Denzel, uh, Travis, you know, some other guys you're working with just their approach to the game, their approach to life, and just kind of how they how they carry themselves uh, on and off the court and the field?
2: Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, you know, you know, I'll take Travis, right, knowing Travis as long as we've known him. We knew of him growing up. We saw him play. Like, Travis was Travis, right? And so, you know, I think what, what I say sets him apart amongst a lot of athletes is his ability to, like, in general, Travis is a find the gray area type, right? Like you tell Travis to go straight and he can get there quicker going left and right. He's going left and right. Right. So like what makes him a great player in his position is he's super intelligent. So he knows the game, like the back of his hand, but then he also is someone who's going to play through an inordinate amount of pain because he's like an old school player. Yeah. So for him, he doesn't care. Like, like I, he doesn't, he doesn't really care about, like, like, the game he just had, like, how he played.
1: Yeah.
2: It's just another it's – like, it's what he was expected to do. So, like, the next – like, it's a, he's over with it, right? At the end of the night, he was like, yeah, man, you know, thanks. Great game, right? You know, and he's it's on to the next. But well, if he loses, it's the same thing. Like, if he – like, being at a playoff game where he was the reason they lost. Like, he comes in, his family's there. It's like, it doesn't get too high, it doesn't get too low. But yeah. – he spends an inordinate amount of time studying film. He spends an inordinate amount of time just kind of like practicing his craft and trying to master his craft, and he's singularly focused at that. Where like Denzel, on the other hand, spends an inordinate amount, like spends a ton of time like working out, like doesn't watch as much film because he really doesn't need to. He doesn't feel like he needs to as much on the defensive side of the ball. You know, but I always say that. uh, When we talk to a kid and we try to understand, like, who they are as a person, you know, generally the guys that are self-aware are, like, the better athlete. I mean, at the end of the day, like, once you get to – especially, like, when you get to the NFL, like, you know, the talent, the athleticism, the athleticism, you know, what's going to separate them is their ability to be self-aware and understand their strengths and weaknesses and how to attack those strengths and weaknesses and make sure that they become less of a weakness at the end of the day. And, you know, one of those things is, like, they're never satisfied, you know you know, Travis can win, you know, have the best year ever, you know, and he's just like, eh, even us in turn like, even us as a team, like, he, I think he, you know, I think, I I forget his stats last year. They were really good. But, like, we were all kind of like, eh, you could have done better. Like, and it's just one of those things where it's just, like, he's just never satisfied. So, I think as a young athlete, you know, if he was talking to them, he'd be like, don't pigeonhole yourself. Play every sport imaginable. Like, when, like, he played football, basketball, and baseball. He didn't play tight end until his junior year. Yeah, he exactly. still, when he was about, when he declared for the draft, he still wanted to play college basketball. Yeah. Like, and so it's just like, he never was like, oh my God, I'm so focused on being a, a tight end. He is, like, if you look at his game, he takes cues from baseball, basketball, like, hockey, like, you name it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Denzel, same thing. Like, Denzel was, you know, his he, he had a more of a linear trajectory, mm-hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, like, you know, he was a running back. You know, he played all, all these different positions. And, you know, he's just, like, super driven to be, like, the best DB in the league. Yeah. And he's never satisfied. He's pissed. Yeah. Like, he's pissed every time, like, he gives up a, a, a touchdown or, or whatever. So, I think, yeah. for the most part, it's just, like, really just knowing your strengths and weaknesses and just constantly trying to get better. And I think that just can be across anything, not just sports. Sure.
3: Yeah. That's, yeah I'm, no, then, to, to that point, too, like, just in, in life, you know what I mean? I think one one important thing to mention, too, is about the, the guys that we work with, like, they're not afraid to take advice, not afraid to listen to the people around them to help them make the best decision possible. They they ultimately make the decision, you know what I mean? I think, a, you know, when you waver and don't aren't deliberate in your approach and don't know what you want, you know what I mean? And oftentimes things get wavered, but Travis's ability to know what he wants and follow his gut yeah, uh, it, it, it it what makes him special uh, as well, you know. So, I, I would say, you know, when you feel something, go with your feels, man. Don't let don't let other people determine, you know, what you want to do, want to be, where want to go. You know, write your own path. Yeah.
1: And uh, Aaron, to your point um, about you know like Travis playing multiple sports or doing multiple things, I remember like from college in terms of recruiting, when, when coaches were recruiting you when they come to high schools and stuff, they were looking for the guys that were playing multiple sports, multiple positions and things like that, you know, because uh, versatility is always huge. And it's not like, you know, just because you played tight end or high school, doesn't mean that's that's necessarily where they're going to have you at um, in college. So definitely just continue to do different things and not like only like one-dimensional is huge. Uh, so, Jack? Just, we can just look at it real quick like at
2: eds Like Travis yeah. wouldn't have made it at eds Like he'll tell you. Like, he wouldn't have lasted through school, like he wouldn't have been our quarterback,
4: right? Yeah. You look at our
2: friends, my friends, like Nate and Deontay. They were higher recruits than Travis. Travis was a three-star recruit that quarterback, barely played, got kicked off the team for a year, yeah. right? And so, you know, but he all if you ask him—he always knew he was going to be a pro athlete. Like if you had, he never doubted, it, even when he was working at a call center in Cincinnati, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think, but, you know, for, for a lot of guys. Playing multiple sports, like you're not gonna be the like what you play in high school. If you just look at the NFL and you look at the body sizes, that's not gonna be your position, most likely, right? And so it's like you you really gotta just be kind of self-aware and just really gotta be driven on your own and have a lot of self-confidence, and that's gonna help you more than really anything. Mm -hmm. And you gotta love it. I mean, you know, you know,
1: yeah, for sure.
2: When you go to college, they're gonna. Kiss your butt until you get there, and then
1: once you get there, no one cares. Yeah, exactly.
2: Once you go to the pros, it's even worse.
1: Yeah, I believe that. I believe that for sure. Hey, Mister Knight, you want to get those questions?
0: Yeah, I was, I wanted to know what what drew you guys to Was it just Delvon Rowe? You was close friends, and talk about uh, how was it like being ads? It was yeah. I, 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 go ahead. Yeah,
2: you got it. It was actually Samaria who you guys had on like Samaria oh, last week. Yeah. yeah. Close okay. so friend growing up, like he lived down the street from us. You know, we knew that. You know, we have, like we had a lot of friends that went there, and you know, so so that like do came to Eds because of us. Like we didn't like, we didn't oh, go to Eds because of that oh,
4: like, okay. it was more like it was like, hey,
2: you guys are going there, like oh let's let's go, let's all go together, right? And so <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay. I mean, it, it was the school. It was the fact that like we could be in a an environment that really wanted like that treated you like it was college prep. That was big for us. Um, it was actually a more diverse environment than Strongsville High School. Um, so, you know, I think those were kind of the big things. you know, college prep, diverse. Um, obviously, sports is great. But, you know, for the most part, you know, that, that wasn't really the calculus either. It
3: yeah. Now, Steve Logan was the reason why I wanted to go to Ed's. <laughs> yeah, that boy was a beast back in the day. We yeah. used to go to, I used to go to the Ed's basketball camps in say, what, seventh, sixth and seventh grade, I think it was, in eighth grade or something like that. Yep. He was always there as a camp coach. And then, you know, obviously adding in Samario so and Sam living down the street, you know, that definitely was a, a big part of it. And I played AAU with Delvon from like all the way from like fifth grade all the way through yeah. where our junior, senior year at high school. So uh, it was a, all of the decision. We almost went to Strongsville. We were close. But- yeah.
0: How has that brotherhood from ads kind of helped you guys in business? has how, that, you know, in business, have you run into people from ads, you know, athletes, things of that nature? How has how, that network benefited you guys from what you do?
3: Our first, our first client that we had, Aaron will tell you, uh, came from Ohio State. And Nate Oliver, who, we you know, was one of my best friends in high school, uh, kind of helped us get into the door for, for that situation. Uh, he worked with us for, for the first couple of years as well. Uh, so you know it's you know still friends with Deontay, still friends with Frank delvin, Frankie Dobbs. I think I seen Connor Tillo on here me and him try to catch up every time I come to the city. So you know it's just been it's been great to just kind of kind of see everybody grow and we're getting old, you know what I mean <laughs> you know so it's, it's it's a great network. but I, I will say I think we can do a lot better connecting with past because I couldn't tell you, anybody after me that I kind of keep in consistent contact with. So this is like amazing what you guys are doing uh, to keep everybody, uh, you know, connected, you know, through the, you know, the black alumni. So, um, but yeah, it's been good. I'm still kind of connect with everybody my core group of friends uh, that went to Ezra with us.
0: That's awesome.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, all of our our core group of friends know who I know me. So they know that Andre is going to hit you up every day, be in the group chats. You know, I'm gonna be there for birthdays, kids, <laughs> weddings, like, really? uh, you know, so like, yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> so it's, yeah. That's the that's the best thing for me to have a twin brother. Like, I don't have to yeah. keep up with everybody as much as him because I can just talk to them. And be like, what's so and so
0: do? That's yeah. good stuff. You know, one of the things I was thinking when you guys are talking, like, um, some of the students might want to know, like, maybe just talk, a, you know, in a generic sense how the agent is different from what you guys do and maybe even touch on the, are there conflicts that happen sometime? Like, you know, you got an athlete, the agent is over-promising, the agent is saying things and you're like, well, that's not the real side. Has that happened to where you kind of had some friction? Yeah.
2: I mean, the agents on the football side, on the basketball side the agents great right? Cause like we have a great work relationship with basketball agents on the football side, like at the end of the day, like their business model is pretty bad. So it's just like, you know, at the end of the day, if we quickly from the industry standpoint, agents get paid 3% usually under the old collective bargaining agreement. There was no salary cap rookie wage scale. So like rookies can make a lot more money. And then now there is a rookie wage scale. So like once that happened, You know, the number one overall pick the year before the rookie wage scale made $60 million. The number one overall pick after the rookie wage scale made $25 million. And instead of being a three-year deal, well, four-year deal, and then after everyone after the first round having a three-year deal, so you have a quicker time to get to your second contract where you make a lot of money, now it's a five-year deal and then a four-year deal. So, like, the length of time where a guy makes a lot of money is so much longer. And a really good example is Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt was a third-round pick. He was the best running back in the league for two years. If he would have been under the old collective bargaining agreement, he would have signed a really big contract after that second year before all those issues happened, and his agent would have made a lot of money. So under the new collective bargaining agreement, you make a lot less money on first-round picks, but the first-round picks are costing more to sign. And then you're – Like you're getting with a guy that, you know, if you're a second, third, fourth round pick, which is everybody mostly, Mm -hmm. you know, you're having a lot longer time for them to actually make money. So the other trend that's going on is because of this agents are basically most big firms are not charging guys on their rookie deal. They're saying, we're not going to charge you anything on your rookie deal. You have to guarantee us 3% on your second deal. That to me is dumb for the player because the agent really has nothing to do with your second deal and you're gonna make a lot more money. So you should just pay them the first deal, but the players for some reason are cheap and they don't wanna do that. Um, so when you look at like the conflict of interest thing, it, it really isn't a conflict of interest because for the most part, we work with our clients, we work with their agents if they want us to. If they don't want us to work with their agents, we don't care. Um, so, but the problem is that because of the money situation, agents would like to do everything that we do, but they just don't, unless you're the biggest firms, like, unless you're the biggest firms in the industry, they don't have the resources to do everything we do. You know, that's, that's kind of like the, the, the short end of the stick. And a lot of players now, they're like, we want to go with a boutique agency, but there's really no boutique like, agencies that can service them on the marketing side like they want. So we're starting to see more of opportunity for us, but we're ultimately going to just become an NFL agency just because it's like, it's easier you know, we don't have to worry about, you know, the NFL agent. We can just be the agent. We can just take everything. We can control everything instead of having to like, you know, argue back and forth with agents about little stuff. So,
4: yeah, like,
3: I think when we see pushback from agents, it's interesting because one thing about our business model is we sit on the athlete side of the table. So when the, our clients succeed, we succeed. So oftentimes we're an added value to most of the agents that we're sitting down and having conversations with. But to Aaron's point, I think they kind of feel threatened that they're going to lose a client or or whatever the case may be. So we do get pushback. We've gotten pushback a lot. You know, I mean, Aaron's being, you know, above water, but we've, been, I mean, for the past decade, we've tried to sign a lot of clients and lost them because due to agents not wanting us to kind of be in the picture. And it's kind of interesting now seeing the the industry moving towards where clients are kind of taking more control of their their lives i mean we look at athletes that we look at our clients as a business you know what i mean going back to our motto right business is business we look at our clients as business they make decisions so when you know agents when they want to work we a lot of times clients will say hey we want to work with you guys but my agent said he's going to handle it you know you know and i shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that when it's you know they're the boss you know what i mean if they want their agent to do this their agent will do that they want us to do this we'll do that so um, I think it's one of those things where it's, it's, it, we're moving into an interesting time where in the past we got a lot of pushback, but now we're getting more inclusion than we ever have before.
0: Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. Um, do you feel like you guys kind of watch LeBron's team? Kind of glean from that a little bit?
2: Personally, no, but...
0: <laughs> All right.
2: I mean, I think, like, I think we, you, I, I respect what LeBron has done, but I think it's just night and day difference. I think there's a lot of, like, it's very hard to, like, kind of look at LeBron because he's like, he's like, he's an outlier, right? Yes.
0: I mean, it, you, he, would love, I'm pretty sure you'll how LeBron is a client. It, it, it would make, <laughs>
2: yeah. I mean, but it's like, you look at, like, yeah. he he knew he was going to be LeBron since he was 14. So it's like the amount of like anybody that he wanted to work with, anything that could happen, like it was all like going to happen essentially. So I think like when you look at him, like he was super smart and putting people around him that he can trust and then putting and allowing and then not giving them anything, especially, and then making them earn kind of their way and like figuring, like watching those guys kind of like find their way has been really cool to see. I would say the reason we don't really look at them is just because, you know, the way we look at it, we try to do everything in-house or we try to have a, a, a joint venture, essentially, with our partners. And then we try to really kind of look at, like you know, on the marketing and branding side, we're looking at what do, how does a team sell the team to a brand? We look at how does a marketing agency, you know, create a, like a brand, right? And then how does a talent agency attack the talent market for their, you know, athlete or, or from their, for their artists or entertainers? Right, so like looking at them kind of doesn't give us much because they're kind of just a, you know, on the uninterrupted side, they're a you know digital media company that we sell to. On the the clutch side, they're just an agency, so that that is what it is, you know. And then on the uh, the bad road the robot side, they're kind of an ad agency, you know, and like, you know, they're kind of an ad agency. But I mean, yeah, I mean, so but like for us, it's looking at it and say, you know, how do we give the LeBron level service to a guy who's a third, fourth, fifth-round pick that no one's going to care about. I mean, mm-hmm. Travis, at the end of the day, people look at Travis today and like, oh, my God, Travis Kelsey. Well, when we signed him, he was a second-year tight end. They had character issues from the league standpoint. He yep. went on the worst team in the NFL. And then he got hurt and blew out his knee first year and didn't play. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, so when we're talking to younger kids, especially younger recruits, and they're like, oh, I'm not Travis. How can you help me? And I'm like, well, you know, considering where you're at, because you're considered a first, second-round pick, you're way ahead of where Travis was. Right. And so I think, you know, we always say that Travis, you know, had the ability to kind of like, he just had a lot of confidence in himself and he, you know, where we got pushed back in the beginning because we had no reputation and we had no record, you know, he went to his agents and said, Hey, I want them to handle everything." Where most of the time, and you know, like players don't tell their players are afraid, honestly, to tell their agents generally what they want. And it makes true. sense. Yep. And so it's like it's one of the, it's the weirdest thing you'll ever see. I mean, so like that's that's kind of what we constantly are fighting. Like when we first started, we were trying to educate guys why they needed management. Now we have to educate guys like why we're not too big for. Them. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think I mean, sometimes I, guys forget guys like forget that the, the agents working for them. You know what I'm saying?
0: Like oh yeah,
1: yeah for sure. Uh, but uh, Kevin Martin got a question. Well, um,
0: go ahead and do it, David.
1: Yeah, so it's two questions. Y'all can split it up or however you want to do it. But the first one is, what do you think has been the single biggest lesson you've learned uh, to date, either a mistake or a win? And then um, if a client comes to you with an idea or, or an investment, uh, what is your process on vetting out that idea or investment? So y'all can break that up however you want to.
2: So, Andre, you can take the second part. Um, yeah. I say the biggest lesson
1: is, you know,
2: Ultimately, you have to you have to know when to walk away. Um, I think you know, especially in the sports space, there's a lot of people get caught up in the fact like, oh, such and such is this type of player, or oh, such and such is this person. When if you look at it and just say like, okay, from a from a business standpoint, you know, does it make like does it make sense? And having some type of values around who you work with, like are they like that's, I think that's the biggest lesson that I've learned and we've learned. And we're constantly learning every day about, you know, more about ourselves and about, you know, what we're trying to accomplish because, you know, obviously in this space, it's always changing. And so I think for the most part, you know, me and I have a conversation all the time about, you know, who's the right fit and who's the right client for us. And being able to like understand that quickly, the better, but then also being able to, you know, be able to say like, all right, this doesn't make sense for us, we gotta walk away. Mm
3: yeah no I agree I mean that's that's huge I think looking at what we do if it's you know the biggest thing i take away is like when people tell you no like don't let that deter you man because you know Aaron you know you always on the calls that we get on you love to reference you know how we had this same business model same business plan that we had you know over a decade ago and it's just now getting some traction you know if we had to if we would have pivoted and so, you know, part of the company, the people that offered to buy it back when it was too early, you know, what I mean, we wouldn't be sitting here where we are today. So I think, you know, the biggest thing, you know, to piggyback off what Aaron said, you know, and to add to it is just, you know, taking your nose as learning experiences and flipping them into yeses is really uh, the biggest thing I've learned. Um, and as far as evaluating investments, you know, is an interesting process when investments come to come across our desk. Uh, typically we get lucky because they're, you know, there with some pretty reputable firms. So internally, we just, we go through a three-step three process in which we qualify the investment. We run a risk analysis on the investment. Then we score the investment and try to decide if it's a, something that our clients should get into. We work with the financial advisors, the agents, the attorneys, the CPAs, the whole entire financial orbit to understand if it fits in our client's portfolio. Uh, and that's after we go through our internal uh, investment methodology to, to decide if it even makes sense to bring it to the table. So then after that happens, you know, we set up a meetings with the founders of the company, the, the owners of the company, the employees of the company um, and kind of vet them and see if they're on the same page as everyone, They're all on the same page. And then we go to the client and we bring the client all the information that we discover. We put together a dossier. Basically, that kind of explains all the details of the investments, the product market fit, the the risk associated, how much the investment needs to be, our thoughts on the founders. And then, you know, we just have a deep conversation, you know, with the clients that we work with. And sometimes they want to get on the phone and and talk to the founders and the people that are heads of these companies. But oftentimes they just kind of go with their gut. And if it's a if it's an investment in an industry that they're passionate about and they know there's a thousand hours of work that's been done to even present the opportunity to them. Uh, we've kind of built that rapport with a lot of the guys that we work with. Plus, we have a, a, a bench of senior advisors that are, you know, very knowledgeable in the things that they do from an investment standpoint, and we and we kind of piggyback off of them a lot to get a lot of our investment research and information about markets and things like that. Gotcha. That's awesome.
1: Uh, so, I we're, you know, we're right around that hour mark. Um, any any advice that y'all want to leave with uh, current Edmond? You know, like whether it's some things that maybe looking back on your, you know, your careers or like when you were in high school, some things you maybe would have done differently, uh, you know, some things, just, just whatever advice you want to leave guys with. I mean, I would, I would say just be curious,
2: you know, like I think, you know, no matter what you want to do, you know, there's a lot of, you have access to a lot of information. So I think you, I'm like, like I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So I kind of had a path where I figured out how I wanted to get there. But I think for the most part, you know, if you just kind of are curious in whatever it is you care about and follow, and like if you're passionate about something, kind of dive deep in it and really figure out how you can, you know, develop those skills and develop that, that interest. You know, you never know when that, that interest might actually become something. It might actually become a business or become a, a career or something like that. I think a lot of times people want to just, you know, especially at Ed's, right? You know, when you, you know, you're, you're taught as well as you're taught and then you're going to these institutions and you, you you get to those institutions, and, you know, and basically try to figure out like oh like I'm, I'm doing this major, but like I don't love this, right? And I think the one thing my dad, you know, always told me was like you know he was you know he was in franchise. so I thought I wanted to get into like something like that. And he was like, well, you love sports, so why don't you do sports? And so when he told me that, I kind of just really really figured out how I could do it. And you know whether like I love you know I, was, I love entertainment, I love you know creative stuff, I love all these different things. And and Andre kind of told you, I mean, it's been a 10 year process and we've always, you know, and probably for the first three, wasn't making any money doing it. And a lot of the times people would just kind of give up and just be like, all right, you know, I'm not gonna work this other job to support this. Like I'm gonna just go do whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think, you know, for me, like it's always been kind of that mindset that if I just spend all my time and effort and extra energy on like what I actually care about, I think ultimately one day it'll pay off. And so I think, you know, it obviously has, But at the same time, you know, I'm still, you know, trying to find different things, trying to learn different things, because like in this space, for me, you know, you never know what your client's going to be interested in. If you have no general knowledge of it, how can you help them figure out what they want to do? You know, so I think, you know, if I can just say anything, just just be curious and just get like, figure out whatever it is you're passionate about, what you like. Don't listen to anybody, you know. Just figure just do what you want to do and then for the most part think you'll be all right.
3: Gotcha. Yeah. Go to class. No. Um uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I mean you know, again, going back to the twin thing, man. He said it he said it best, man. I think uh like I said, we gotta you you'd be surprised at the names that are in the league right now, you know, that are doing big things that we, you know, sat in front of and try to pitch what we do you know, and it's, we got no's, you know, so just seeing, seeing those no's through and turn them into yeses, never give up, focus on what you want to do and, you know, eventually you'll get there, it might take 10 years, it might take five years, you know. So, being me, being a bank teller, you know, looking back was probably the best decision I ever made, you know, yeah. learning and understanding those, those minute details of finance and how people spend their money and things like that. You know, back then I didn't care about it, you know what I mean, I was trying to get out of, you know, get out of my nine to five, taking pto so i can be at the super bowl and you know what i mean it's just like you know but again i appreciate those experiences right like aaron, aaron aaron's aaron's laughing because it's like you know we like we were we were sleeping on floors and you know it's, now it's like you know it's bittersweet right we go we're actually yeah. now we're in miami you know we're got a nice house we're in you know we actually win win the super bowl so it's, yes sir it's like, I remember we were sleeping on the floor, man. Hey, Justin down. Staples. I don't know if y'all remember Justin Staples when he yep, used to yep. play for the Titans, Tennessee Titans. You know, for sure. Yeah, we, we would, you know, we bum it. So just, just never give up. Just stay focused yeah. on your goals, and you know, I
2: would say also enjoy the process. Like when you're in when you're in high school, enjoy it. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy not knowing what you want to do. You get to college, enjoy it. Post COVID, obviously, you know, really enjoy it. Take advantage of it. Get involved. You know, and then at the end of the day, just, you know, as honor said, I would say just don't be, don't be above, don't be above any job, right? Like, I mean, it's, I think, as I said, you know, to, to get to where we got to, I did door-to-door sales. I did, you know, working at the bank. I did, you know, every odd job you could probably imagine. So it's like, for me, like, it's always been a situation where how do you take that, that, that job you hate, that job that you're just doing as a job, and learn something out of So like working door-to-door sales, trying to sell AT&T U-verse, and t u verse and u in other places like that, like when people just got off work and like me having to knock on a random door just to be like, hey, you know, and trying to overcome objections. Like I'm sitting down with a family and then I know I can help you, but I don't care what you say. Cause it's not me like standing in the cold, knocking on yeah. your door. Like yeah. if you want to work with me, see you, like, thanks, bye, I don't need
4: mm-hmm.
2: you, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, for the most part, just. You know, especially now when, you, when everything's at your fingertips, everything, you got an iPhone, you got an iPad. If you you know, lucky, like you can do whatever you want.
1: So For
2: just sure.
1: hustle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, y'all was, y'all was definitely hustling. And it's dope that y'all was able to kind of see that through to, you know, what you're doing now. Um, I want to introduce uh, Mr. Paul, uh, Paul Mocho. He's the uh, vice president. Of Sainz.
4: I know he wanted to say a few words to you guys. Thanks, David. Um, thanks, James Knight too, for, for bringing us together. And, and Andre and Aaron, geez, what a great story. Uh, congratulations to to you both. And thanks for taking the time to share that with everybody. Um, you know, this th- this forum that we have, and we've been starting and, and again, great leadership by David to, to keep this thing going um, on a regular basis is really an opportunity for us to share the St. Ed's experience for all of our guys. and um, you know, make everyone feel included in what that could be for them as either eighth graders coming into the St. Ed's or and, and even our grads, they've gone out and, you know, they're starting to, starting their lives, right? They're starting to be, um, you know, who they wanna be and how guys can mentor them, especially, you know, for our minority students to have guys like you as mentors uh, to them. It's just, it's, it's fabulous. It's just be an awesome opportunity for our guys to see Alums of different eras, different backgrounds, different generations. Just Kenan's kind of proud, and, and and again, getting every opportunity to showcase it. So, thank you again for taking the time and the great story you just shared. And, and thanks for being a good Edsman. No,
3: yeah, we you. appreciate it. Thank, totally. thank
4: you. We appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Anytime.
0: Anytime. This is great. Yeah, you guys added a lot of value tonight. A lot of things that I learned, and you know, um, I can't. I don't have enough words to say thank you, man. So we appreciate it. and look forward to future partnerships.